This week on the Tech on Tap podcast, we go deep into Waffle. Join us as we de-swizzle our blocks and reanimate our zombies. Welcome to the Tech on Tap podcast with Justin Parisi and Sully the Monster. I love NetApp. Oh, yeah. I love NetApp because it's so funny. Hello and welcome to the Tech on Tap podcast. My name is Justin Parisi. In the studio with me today is Andrew Sullivan. Hi, Andrew. Why, hello. How you doing? Good. Preparing for the snowpocalypse getting armistice. Did you buy your bread and milk? Cord. I did. I got all my. I got all the ingredients for my milk sandwiches yesterday. I bought like a bunch of kitty litter so I could put it in the back of my car so I get better traction. For your pet tiger? Yeah, but I got all-wheel drive, so that's dumb. So I don't know why I did that. Yeah, plus we live in North Carolina. <laughs> yes, we live. <laughs> I don't know, man. Have you seen the pictures of Glenwood Avenue a few years ago? I, I have. Cars on fire I, I and stay puff marshmallow I solved man. this problem. Don't go out while it's snowing. I was on that road during that. It was horrible. Was that your car? It was not my car, okay. thankfully. So uh, this week we have some special guests to talk about something that is near and dear to ONTAP in general, and that is waffle. And I can't believe we've never covered waffle before, <laughs> given that's my favorite breakfast food. Um, but also because it's integral to how ONTAP works. So uh, in the studio to talk about that is Travis Callahan. Hi, Travis. Hello there. So, Travis, tell us what you do here at NetApp and how to reach you uh, if you have a social media account. So, uh, Travis Callahan, and uh, I am a Waffle developer here in uh, RTP. Um, I am off of social media. so It's probably a good thing. Yeah. It's, it's, yeah, it's, it'll be the death of you. So, uh, Travis is not on social media. Also in the studio, uh, Aditya Kolkarni. Yes. Okay. I'm Aditya. I'm in Waffle. I've been here for the last 10 years. And I, too, don't have a social media presence. Also S- smart. Smart men. That's good. And uh, last but not least, uh, Brian Naylor. Hi. Hello. I'm Brian. I, uh, I'm not in Waffle anymore, but I was for a while. I did the flash cache and some other failover-related things. These days I'm doing... Uh, OS group uh, slash kernel work. Um, just same group, but slightly different focus. All right, excellent. So uh, we're going to talk about Waffle. We're going to do a little bit of a deep dive because we got all the really technical guys in here. I'm going to ask some really silly, stupid questions, and they're going to look at me really funny, and then they're, they're going to answer them because I have control. <laughs> so, yeah, let's get started. All right. Well, thank you for joining us today, gentlemen. And really, the reason why we invited you on today is because we wanted to get a real good deep dive into Waffle, right? Waffle is sort of foundational. It is fundamental to ONTAP itself. It's what kind of brings all of the features in a lot of ways out into what we do, the magic that is ONTAP. And I don't remember how long it's been. It's been at least a year, maybe even two years, that somebody sent us a message and said, hey, guys, it would be great if we could do a deep dive on Waffle. And, well, that's where we want to go with this. So I always like to start at the beginning. And the beginning is, what is Waffle and where did it come from? So, Brian, I'll start with you. Basically, the core file system in ONTAP, and it, um, it's kind of a hybridized log-structured file system. It stands for um, Write Anywhere File Layout or Write Anywhere Find Later, depending on who you ask. Um, that's an old Dave Hitz joke, so... 
uh, maybe Dave Hitz's brother, actually, I think is the origin of that. But uh, essentially, you um, you never write over a block in Waffle. You write uh, new writes come in and they get written to free space. Um, and so whenever you commit all of the new writes to disk, then you update in an atomic fashion. And um, once you do that, that's called the consistency point. And then everything um, appears as a sort of a new file system. And the old one is still there on disk. So you could actually roll back potentially to the prior point in time. And uh, that gives us a lot of neat um, things that we can do. So log structured file system is not unique to Waffle? No, it was invented. Uh, uh, you're, you're driving me back a number of years at this point, but you know, it's not unique to Waffle. It's um, So, I mean, Waffle was created, it was sort of the first thing in ONTAP, right? So we're talking early 90s, and log structured file system exists before then. Maybe just as academic papers, but yeah, it was, uh, there, were, there were some there were some basic implementations before Waffle. Gotcha. So, so Waffle is constantly appending, right? We never go in and delete blocks. So if the, the user, the application goes in, they change something, it's simply marking that block is no longer used, and then it adds it into a free space at the end of the existing file system. These guys could probably go into more detail on that. Um, but yeah, it's, it, it eventually, do, you do reclaim blocks eventually um, when they're not used anymore. But uh, they, uh, they're tracked through a number of different um, data structures and files that uh, allow you to figure out which blocks are used for what and how many times and things like that. So. And just a level set, how does that differ from a regular file system like on the Mac that's sitting in front of me or, or a Windows machine? I actually am not going to try to talk about the Mac at this point because they have a brand new file system that's pretty neat. Um, but the like a, a Windows file system, you would, um, if you do an overwrite of a file, you actually go in and update the file directly and um, overwrite blocks live in place a lot of times. And uh, that has benefits too. But uh, in our case, we uh, <coughs> we choose a different design. Gotcha. So from a performance standpoint, how does this change, right? How, how does this affect what's happening compared to NTFS, compared to, what is the Apple file system, APFS? The new one is APFS, yeah. Gotcha. So uh, we won't go into that one, but um, so how, how, do, how does that change from a, a uh, data performance or, or a application performance perspective as well as from a data protection perspective? Let's just focus on... What is that? What does that actually mean? From, for example, and I'm just saying performance, but it could have nothing to do with performance. There could be other reasons. I don't think there would be any file system today which is not log structured. They would have some sort of or the journaling. I mean, yeah, I mean, yeah. yeah, journaling. They would have journaling or. So maybe maybe we should say that then, right? But yeah, you would still you can still do in place writes, right? I mean, in place writes is. In-place writes versus uh, find new places to write is a technique kind that Waffle exploits. Yeah. And that gives us snapshots, easy snapshots. Gotcha. Okay. So log-structured file system, Waffle takes advantage of the ability to do always writing to the end, right? So is there – what does that actually mean to me as the storage administrator, to me as the application user? Well, as a storage administrator and as an application user, this is very transparent to you. You don't have to worry about where Waffle is actually writing the blocks. So this means things like, I don't have to worry about a defrag? You don't have to worry about a defrag because ultimately Waffle will take care of it. Gotcha. It, it, does, cause, it does cause some degree of fragmentation over a period of time, but... Uh, 
so sequential writes would cause some degree of fragmentation over a period of time which will not happen in other file systems so what do you mean by sequential writes will cause fragmentation so if you if you have a file and if you overwrite it all over again in many file systems which write in place you would uh, write exactly in the same place so if you had allocated the file sequentially nicely without any fragmentation you would get the same layout but in waffle it depends where you find free space and we try uh, we try very hard to find good neat places to write so that we retain the sequential layout but at times there are uh, if if the file system is heavily aged then we won't find um, good neat places but then there are defragmentation mechanisms within built in waffle that clean up the space as we uh, keep aging so so what do you mean by aging here i mean obviously it means that the file system has been in use for some time but what what happens after or what what causes that to be a, a detriment to overall uh, performance well what happens what i mean by aging is that files have been written over and over many many times so that means that a file is not now is not laid out sequentially it's not contiguous and when a file is not laid out uh, contiguously then you uh, you have a slightly degraded read performance Okay. So now you have to see- seek around on different disks to yes. find different pieces of the file that conceptually are are um, contiguous. So let me let me get this straight then. So in in my head, and I've been doing on tap for well over a decade at this point. So I I may have antiquated an, an antiquated understanding of Waffle. So brand new storage system, brand new aggregate, right? If you will, I have a brand new Waffle file system layout on there. As I begin writing files, it basically writes those out as they come in, right? Constantly appending to that. So if my if my disks, I'll, I'll say sectors, even though that's probably wildly inaccurate and or a gross oversimplification, go from zero to 100, right? It starts at zero and it fills up to 100. When it reaches that 100, more or less it has to go back and look for blocks that have been freed somewhere in the existing disks, right? So say the application stopped using blocks, I don't know, 2, 6, 10, 50, 64, 23, right? All of these other things. So now I have these kind of empty spots scattered all around that physical set of disks. And Waffle goes in and it then begins consuming those blocks. But because it's constantly appending, if it's one big file, it may end up with, you know, say some small portion of that big file got edited, right? Some chunks that are in the original sequential layout and then some that are scattered about in wherever it could find free space. Right. Yes. Okay. So how does that, or how, how do we mitigate that aging problem over time? So there are a number of um, reallocation technologies that we have that have been added over the years. Um, a block redirect, uh, blocker-based um Things that will actually, as you read files, will try to find new places to put them, or as they're doing write allocation, will you know, kind of rearrange things. Um, there's continuous segment cleaning, which I don't think is on by default, but um, it can be enabled to. Um, oh, we don't talk about that. <laughs> well, I guess with aggregate uh, based dedupe, CSC is pretty much dead. Okay. See, so, I haven't been in Waffle for a couple of years now. So that's a good one to talk about then, right? Because 
So CSC was something that was introduced in the eight one days, I think, something like that. Or eight something. I think it was after maybe eight two. Okay, and, and it started yeah. out as being not enabled by default, and then it changed to where it was enabled by default. And I remember this because it was a part of the VMware best practices, which I started on. Right. So first, let, let's let's talk about what is continuous segment cleaning. Right. What what does that actually do at the waffle layer? So it's pretty. I mean, it's a simplistic. I mean, you can look at it pretty simplistically, right? It takes a chunk of uh, the RAID group, right, and says, "Hey, this 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 chunk, I'm going to reallocate all the allocated blocks somewhere else, such that I have a large chunk of free space to reuse uh, for right for new writes." That's the basic idea. Um, so. And it's doing that on basically a continual basis. Yes. So it'll yeah pull that chunk out so we can't use it for writes and free up all the space in there by doing more writes. Basically, taking the blocks that are used in that chunk will be put somewhere else. Gotcha. Because so my understanding was that, like you said, taking a chunk of that underlying RAID device. Right, and opportunistically moving data around as a part of normal read and write operations in order to keep as much contiguous free space as possible in that allocation unit. More or less, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, and this is beneficial because it counteracts or, or it kind of prevents that aging process from happening until the file system starts to get more full, right? Yes. Okay. Yeah. And I mean, on top of that, right, the, the way that the, the Waffle free space engine works does that kind of by default, by the way that it groups things together, right? So as we, um, just as overwrites happen and we, we collect this huge group of overwrites over time and are able to free up so as we collect that free space or the stuff that needs to be freed, right, the blocks that need to be freed based upon the overwrites that have happened or the file deletes and things like that that have happened, um, those get batched together. So when we actually go into free things, we're freeing up a huge chunk that is together, right? So then that can then be fed into the allocation system for new writes. Okay. So does this take the place of doing a manual reallocate? And just let, let's take a step back. So what, what is a manual reallocate first? What, what's actually happening and why? Are we, why would we do that? So typically those happen as a result of like adding, I think I guess the best practice for that is like when you add disk or add a RAID group or something, right? So we can distribute the uh, the existing data across those those new disks and things that, to make it uh, just to have a better even an evenly distributed file system as far right but does that also do free space uh, free space reallocation where it recreates the contiguous space for for doing log append or write appends it will. But uh, not necessarily intentionally, I think, is if, that, if I'm 
if I got your question. Gotcha. So is is there, and I'm trying to remember because it's honestly been a few years since I was a, like way down in the weeds on tap admin, right? There's there's allocates and then there's or reallocates and then there's free space reallocation, right? And reallocate would redistribute the data across the available drives, kind of keeping the drives evenly leveraged, whereas free space reallocation would um, kind of what we were talking about just a moment ago with continuous segment cleaning, right? Keep as much of that or, or rearrange the data so that there is as much contiguous free space available as possible. Um, which reverses that aging process, is my understanding. Right. So one of, is one of those file-based? Is that right? How yeah. We, yeah. 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 And you can basically, the, it would go in and calculate a score on a, a given file um, for how fragmented it is. And then you could, you know, sort through your files that you had that were badly fragmented and just sort of re- forcibly re- re- relay them out um, on disk. And uh, when I did all my research and, and harassing of NetApp employees at the time, it was on tap seven mode, right? So, or it was on tap literally on tap seven, which turned into seven mode. So, did any of that change significantly? With no, that stuff's been around forever. Okay. You know? One of the other things that you asked about though was how the appending um, basically affects performance, and it make, makes it really easy to just log everything to NVRAM. So we can, you know, when an incoming write happens, we can log that straight into NVRAM and acknowledge the write to the client um, without having yet committed it to actual disk. And then that CP process I talked about before kind of cleans up after the fact, you know, at a regular interval or when we get too many writes batched up. So that's one, one way that that helps a lot is that you don't have to go and do the operation on disk immediately. So can, can you dive down into that a little bit more? So CP is consistency point, right? So the whole point of the CP, right, is to move the file system forward. Uh, and that occurs. We, our Waffle does that for a number of reasons, one being the NVLog that we were talking about. When uh, So if we think about NVLog as just some persistent memory that is basically divided in half, uh, and we waffle fills half of it, starts a CP process. As the CP is going on, a new incoming uh, writes use this second half that hasn't that still got has space in it. Um, and CP then takes everything that's in the lockdown portion of NVLog and starts to write allocate all that data onto disk, free, start the free process for overwrites and things. And um, at the end of CP, when the file system is moved forward, we can free up this, the NVLog space that was uh, locked down during that CP process. Okay, so, so let me, just to be sure I, I understand this process. When we take an ONTAP system, we have NVRAM, we split that NVRAM in half. One side is where incoming client writes land, right? The other side is what's being currently flushed to disk. That's and true. when that reaches full, basically it triggers a consistency point or after, is it still 10 seconds? It used to be 10 seconds. Still 10 seconds. Okay. So, or after 10 seconds, it would begin a consistency point. Um, so in that process is more or less, right? So in, in VRAM, ONTAP has already done all of the RAID calculations. It's already done all of the other work that it needs to do. It just writes the data out to disk, leveraging that 
wherever it can find the free space segments, right, it, uh, on the file system. So all that happens during CP. So okay. basically CP starts and finds, it's got, I mean, it knows where it wants to put stuff based upon, uh, you know, free space scores and things that it keeps track of. And says, hey, this is, here's a huge contiguous space that has nothing in it, so we can write nice, nicely down to these areas on um, on disk, and it does you know so it allocates that space during CP and does the write to actually I mean write the actual data to disk during the CP. Okay. So none of that happens prior to CP starting, right now. Okay, interesting. Because I, I had always assumed that that was one of the things that makes you know on tap slash waffle super fast is that you know we're not doing hardware raid it's all software-based raid, right? It's all being done inside of ONTAP itself. And I, I had always assumed that it was doing those calculations as data was landing in, in VRAM. So consistency points are essentially how we ensure that the data has been written to disk. It is now secure, if you will, right? If the system crashes, we know that it's there, while the other half of it sits in, in VRAM, which means, again, it is secure even if the system crashes. So you mentioned something a couple of minutes ago that I wanted to go back to really quickly um, because, again, I pull most of my waffle knowledge from way back when I was doing ONTAP best practices where we were really digging into these things and how to make, well, virtualization. Excuse me, did I say waffle best practices? Because I meant VMware best practices. Yeah, whatever. You know, not, no, thing. N- no, not, not at all. Not This guy is not anywhere smart enough to be doing what you guys do. Um, so one of the things you mentioned was that when aggregate level deduplication became a thing here recently, that has kind of eliminated the need for continuous segment cleaning. But does that change anything with reallocation? So I don't know that it eliminates the need. It more eliminates the existing technology, as in it doesn't support it. So with aggregate level dedupe, we can't do what so the existing CSC technology does not function with agar level dedupe. So it's one or the other, right? Um, and that's the I think that's the the catch is the way that CSC was uh, designed doesn't interact well with agar dedupe, or it doesn't at all. I guess would be the the idea there. Um, so it has to be revisited if we have the need to do it okay. with, with Flash. Yeah. So so more or less, if I'm an ONTAP administrator, if I'm listening to this, right, and I'm thinking to myself, hey, I need to go back and revisit my best practices type of thing. I, I can only assume, I'm looking at you, Justin, that our various applications, TMEs teams, are going back and reevaluating best practices. But my philosophy is also along the lines of only change one thing at a time. So if you think it might be beneficial, change it and measure it. <laughs> to find out? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, which the general consensus is when, you know, we have things set to best practices out of the box, right? And there are some cases where that may or may not be this, the case, right? You, you might have an option. You have to toggle for certain use cases. We can't cover every use case out of the box. You can't say that everyone's going to use this for their virtualization environment or this for their SQL environment. So if there are options to toggle, you would definitely want to do them one at a time. That's just basic tenants of administration anywhere, whether it's Windows, Linux, or storage, change one at a time. If you do too much at one time, you're either going to break something or you're not going to fix it. So uh, the other key part of that being to measure before and after because subjective, hey, it feels faster is not an actual 
like proof. Yeah, and I mean, and measurement is going to be dictated by your application. Like, what sort of measurement tools do you use to measure SQL versus VMware versus ONTAP itself? So, Perstat would be a good place to start. Uh, on-command performance manager for the ONTAP side, but for your application side, you're definitely going to want to look at the application-specific monitoring tools. Yeah, and one other thing with that is this is uh, all flash fast based in that conversation, right? So AgriDeep was put in for that. Uh, and, I mean, we don't rec- – CSC, there's no recommendation for CSC in that environment anyway, so it's not – it doesn't really prohibit you from anything that you were doing before. I so, guess. so that brings up a, a question for me in that I noticed that we don't recommend that compaction be enabled on non-flash media. Is there a reason for that? Is is that similar? It's not so much the compaction; it's the inline stuff. Um, and the reasoning for that is because the performance impact might be too much for spinning media that it can't keep up. Uh, Flash media usually handles that a lot better, and you don't see you see a very negligible performance impact when you enable storage efficiencies in line on Flash. Um, that said, I mean they're not stopping you from doing it on a spinning disk, but a best practice is, you know, don't do it on a spinning disk. I think I misunderstand how compaction works then, because I thought it was I thought it was being done before it gets written to disk. Well, yeah, in line, right? But the idea is that that pressure on the system as it comes in is too great for the spinning disk to keep up. And that's, you know, we don't want to have a performance impact generated out of inline efficiencies or the fact that we do opportunistic efficiencies where, you know, we might not honor those efficiencies because we can't have the, we won't prevent the performance impact to your, your production workloads. Did you need me to say something else? No, I thought you were going to. Banana. There's always money in the banana stand. Always money in the banana stand. While I've got these engineering guys in here, I'd like to evoke the ghost of 90314. Um, And if you're not familiar with 90314, that was the ever-famous BERT that we would call out when we have performance impact from deletion of files in ONTAP. Um, Over the years, we have gotten infinitely better at deleting files, and basically that's been due to some changes within Waffle as well as some options that we've toggled by default from the system. So if one of you guys could kind of go into the details of why that 90314 would have impact. So they're fighting over who gets to do this because it's so much fun. (laughs) You're working on it now, right? I think, Travis, you would be the best person to answer this because you have dealt with the ghost yourself. (laughs) So you're the ghostbuster. Yeah, so that one was with regards to, like, set adder, right? Was that the set adder, Bert? No, so 90314 was the, the uh, 34 slow delete, other. right? So basically it would, it would impact performance on the ONTAP system if you delete a bunch of files. You run out of zombies. Yes. Right? And your new inca- anything coming in that requires one is going to sit there waiting for... Uh, Space is that or is that the is that the one? We all, there's also the thing where for the, zo- for the zombie message, or you could accumulate only so many zombies. Right. And so, let, let me pause you there. Zombies are are undead people who come out of like The Walking Dead, right? What what I'm getting at is what's yeah. a zombie? Yeah, I know. Why don't you just ask that? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, when a file delete comes to Waffle, if it is below a certain size, we can delete the file inline and that size today is set at 20k uh, 20 kilobytes Uh, if it is more than 20 kilobytes then we sort of delete the file in place but we reclaim the space occupied by the file lazily and to reclaim 
that space what we do is we create a zombie file in the so called private inode space that file is hidden from the world only waffle knows about it and we in the in a background mode we keep chewing space from the file and ultimately we would have chewed up or reclaimed all the space from the zombie and then we kind of go and bust that zombie so that's the zombie processing part of awful so you mentioned that the files when they get deleted they're kind of like a soft delete right more or less they're not truly deleted yet and i just want to kind of touch on that a little bit because for usps private sector type of businesses where they need the files deleted and when you know deleted and gone um, that can come into play so you want to actually overwrite those particular spaces so what's the way in ontap in waffle to truly delete something for good right how do we how do we really get rid of it even if you write over the file you're not necessarily writing over the data that you it's still there okay because we don't write over any blocks that were in the file that you're previously right but once it's deleted, they're freed, right? And they, they eventually can be overwritten. They're free, but they're, and they could eventually be overwritten, but there's no guarantee they're going to be overwritten in any uh, period of time, right? Well, I mean, damn, well, I have to cut this too, aren't I? <laughs> no, but I think it brings, it brings up a good point from when we had the security guys on the podcast talking about NVE, where if you are in a secure environment where you have to make sure that that data is unrecoverable, if you turn on NVE, then it doesn't matter if like a flash device, even if that block gets reallocated, excuse me, gets uh, uh, marked as unusable, right, and it pulls one out of the spare pool, I'm using very generic terms here, but, um, you know, it, it, that block is still technically, in a lot of cases, readable. So if it's non-encrypted, somebody could take that device, even after it's been wiped, and be able to recover data out of the segments that have gone bad. Right. right, and that's why we had to encrypt flash cache for NVE systems as well, because once we moved to using a standard form factor for those drives, you could just pop them out and so, directly access 4K blocks. So I think it's a good question in that, you know, can we securely delete something from ONTAP, right, regardless of the underlying media? And I think the point being, yes, but it takes a while because the deletes don't happen immediately, right? And even an overwrite isn't technically an overwrite because it's a log-structured file system, which we talked about at the beginning, in that it's constantly appending to the end rather than going back and writing in place. So the only way to really have assurance that it is happening is NVE or NSE. Okay, fair enough. Now that I've successfully railroaded us from the original topic, let's back up. Oh, so it's a day that ends in Y. It is. Uh, but it was actually a relevant tangent. It was. So, I'm proud of you. Thank you. Circling back. Um, so you mentioned, you know, we free up things over time. Um, and we touched on 90314. And that was one of the um, impetus uh, drivers for the low pry and high pry options where you basically modify the different uh, numbers of zombies you can free at a certain time. That's how that's, yeah, that was that's a catalyst, right? That was the yeah. That's the one where we used to have to have a zombie message for every zombie, yes. the, and that's been eliminated. Yeah. So um, there was that. Yes. So with the flash systems, we've done some waffle optimizations. Have we optimized deletes at all in addition to the uh, flash optimizations? Just for flash systems, or is it different from spinning disk and flash media for deletes? As far as I can recall, all the delete performance work 
is applies across the board. Okay. Um, and there, I mean, there has been a significant investment in Waffle over the past what three, two to three years to really focus on improving the delete throughput. Um, you know, the file delete process itself, and then the back end, how we actually get those blocks processed and back into the system. So um, so along the same thought process of Flash Media, right, we, we've talked previously on the podcast even about how AFF uses a lot of optimizations to get better performance, not just out of ONTAP, but out of the Flash Media itself. And usually when we talk about that, we talk about eliminating parts of RAID from the, the read process. I'm Justin, I'm looking glancing in your direction to make sure that I'm not putting my foot in my mouth. That right? sounds about right, yeah. So have there been other things or additional things that have happened at the, the waffle layer in order to improve performance with Flash Media beyond just at the on big on tap level, right, eliminating raid steps? So, I mean, even in the waffle area, as far as the read path is concerned, right, we, um, so what, what typically would happen, right, is if if a, a read request comes in to waffle from a client, right, and that data is not in in core or in EC or something like that, right, we, that particular message would suspend inside a waffle, and a disk read would be uh, sent off somewhere, and it would come back eventually and restart that message, and that message would have to go through and get scheduled again in waffle and load that data up and then send the, uh, the request back. And for some of these uh, flash enhancements, right, that, that last part is skipped. Basically, it's the read request comes in, the disk read is, uh, is issued, and when it's ready, when that data is available, it's, sent direct, it's replied directly to the client. So, you, so there's none of this. We don't have to go back through Waffle again to access, to get that data to the client. Yeah, and that's adding improvements every release, right? I mean, we're yeah. getting every release about 20 to 30% better performance for Flash systems. And just through little tweaks like that, you right. know, find, finding places in Waffle where we can, you know, make educated guesses about where data is going and that sort of thing. So it's, it's always good to make it better. Right. Absolutely. Um, so another thing that gets brought up on occasion is, is a funny word called deswizzling. Um could you tell us a little bit about deswizzling and what that is and how it plays into the waffle pieces? So deswizzling is a term which is associated with snap mirror. So assume that uh, you have a volume source and you are doing a snap physical snap mirror or what was the term for it? Uh, BRE. Oh, yeah, block replication uh, yeah, engine. So, yeah, block replication versus LSRE, which yeah. is logical. Yeah. So you are doing a physical replication to a destination volume. And after the transfer is complete, you need to go and fix up some things in the destination volume. So what is that thing? So what happens is that each block in Waffle has two addresses. One is called a virtual volume block number and the other is the physical volume block number. And when we do a snap mirror, we do replication in the virtual space, which is we replicate the virtual volume block numbers. We replicate the data and we keep the virtual volume block numbers same. So source and destination will have the same VVBN. 
but obviously their physical address on the destination will be different because it actually resides on a different disk or maybe on the same disk but at a different location so you need to go and fix up those pvbns or the physical volume block numbers so when we when we do the snap mirror we put some special value in those pvbns and later on we go and do a bottom up traversal of the file system tree and convert those special values to the actual physical address which is the pvbn on the destination volume that's essentially what dswhistler is okay and this process is opportunistic right i mean it's not going to impact production workloads it's going to basically take a back seat to that yes it works as a background scanner and it's tuned in a way not to affect the front load front end uh, performance so you mentioned bre um does lsre leverage this or does it do something else with deswizzling well lsre is a replication in the logical space not in the physical space so what it replicates is actually logical data and the 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 primary difference between uh, bre and lsre is that you no know, i i try to explain this uh, difference like you have a disk you take that disk from one machine to another this is like your physical replication which is pre and when you copy the contents of the disk over to some other disk that is lsre so you are actually not replicating in the physical space you are replicating in the logical space and all the write allocation happens on the destination volume so there is no need to fix up anything later on in case of logical replication that seems more efficient overall right i mean we're not necessarily having to do cleanup so that would be better for the system itself uh yes and no so physical replication is much faster than logical replication but we have made several advances in uh, logical replication and the speed of logical replication is not yet close to the speed of physical replication but it is getting pretty much close and to be to be clear inside of ontap if you're using snap mirror like old school standard snap mirror that's block replication if you're using version flexible snap mirror or snap vault that's logical replication yeah or mirror vault which is what is known as now because you can actually toggle between mirrors and vaults within the system without having to yep. you know have independent licenses and such so we talked about why deletes are getting better we've talked about the diswizzling piece which isn't really totally re- related to deletes but it kind of helps understand you know a term that gets thrown out thrown around a lot um one thing that i have always gotten asked or have heard got, get asked is you know how much free space should i leave available in my aggregates for waffle right is there a performance hit when i get close to full because waffle being the way it is a write anywhere file language if you have fewer blocks free to write to you have to take longer potentially to find those blocks um so break it down for us you know how how is that free space impact what sort of percentage are we looking at for a best practice of leaving free in an aggregate and does that get better with flash media or is it the same as spinning disk so as far as the percentage goes i'm going to defer on that one isn't it 3% Free, if, if you say so. Yeah, I don't honestly don't know. I'd, I'd hate Nobody to knows. say something that is Nobody goes knows. against the. Uh, there, yeah, there's what, what there's the actual tons thing of is. tons of documentation um, out there. I th- I think the hard number that I always heard was three percent. 
Yeah, that's the number I've usually heard. So, so forget the fact that if it's three or ten, why is that important? So part of the reason it's important, as far as um, spinning media goes, right? Is uh, we talked about, we touched on these things earlier with uh, uh, fragmentation of the file system, and uh, along with that, right? There's a lot of metadata that has to be updated um, and tracked by Waffle, um, and as the free space goes down, there's less available. So, so it's a lot. It's much more costly to write large amount of data because it's going to be written in many, many, many different places, right? Which requires much more metadata updates within Waffle to be able to allocate that space. Um, so, I mean, just in that regard, right, you're going to the amount of overhead to do those rights is going to go up significantly with as your you know as your free space reduces because most likely it's going to be fragmented right um but with flash those i mean you still have some of that same problem but with the the speed improvements that we have with flash it kind of eliminates a lot of those those problems because they are mostly based on you know the speed of the media that we can you know update do the writes faster um, and the reads faster it's just not as not as much of a concern well we'll also, we're also seeing in flash systems the cpu and ram is just huge, huge right i yeah. mean more than you can use sometimes yeah so combine that with the media and you've got a pretty robust system that can handle all those metadata calls right yeah so is, does volume free space play a role at all cuz that was always um one of the things that got brought up is, oh, I need to keep 10% volume free space. I need to keep 10% aggregate re- free space. I've never heard the volume free space portion because it's a flexible con- construct, right? And I've always heard it's the physical piece that's really the, the key. And that's kind of where I'm going with this is that I think it was a mistaken thing or maybe a holdover from the pre on tap seven days. Trad balls. Yeah, back when we had traditional volumes of, yeah, yeah I, I saw that grimace. <laughs> I, I echo that sentiment. Um, in that, yeah, the the volume we can fill all the way up to ninety nine point nine 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 percent, and so long as there's space in the that's allocated the volume, it's going to perform at the exact same speed. Um, it's just at the aggregate level, as the aggregate approaches a hundred percent, we could see de- degradation. Yeah, and I mean, and also with the volumes, keep in mind we have things like volume auto grow, which can help us get out of situations where we're running out of space. We don't really have an aggregate auto grow though, which would be awesome. Are you guys going to work on that? Autograph your aggregates, just a robot arm that grabs a disc. I just call that a junior administrator. (laughs) That is true. That'd probably be a cheaper way of implementing autograph for aggregates. Never mind all the really bad ideas of just add one disc at a time. So why is that a bad idea, guys? Why is adding one disc at a time bad for your your file system here? Why is it bad? Yeah. I'm I'm asking rhetorically. (laughs) I know why it's bad, but I want you to tell us. So it, I mean, it limits, it puts all your free space in one spot, right? So you have one hotspot um, that, so if you've got 100 disks and, tip, you know, we're, this waffle is going to work a whole lot better if it's able to utilize all those disks, right? Because um, how do we remediate that? So I think we touched on that a little bit earlier. Oh, with, you did, reallocate. Yeah, yeah so yeah. just hammering that home there. A, don't add one disk at a time. B, if you do, reallocate. Yeah, I, I want to re- 
I want to say that the best practice is either to add disks in either full RAID groups or half RAID group in increments or something like that. Ideally, right? I mean, you can't always do that because maybe you don't have the physical space in your stack. Or maybe you don't have the money to put in that many disks. Maybe you've only got two hot spares, right? So you may only have the availability of adding one disk. Well, and these days with 16 terabyte drives, you know, if, if I'm adding a RAID group of 16, 16 terabyte drives, that's, that's a lot of capacity at one time. All right, Travis, Brian, Aditya, thanks so much for joining us today. If you have any questions about Waffle you want to ask that we didn't cover here, email us at podcast at netapp.com. That music tells me it's time to go. If you'd like to get in touch with us, send us an email to podcast at netup.com or send us a tweet at netup. As always, if you'd like to subscribe, find us on iTunes, SoundCloud, and Stitcher or via techontappodcast.com. If you like the show today, leave us a review. On behalf of the entire Tech on Tap podcast team, I'd like to thank the Waffle Guys for joining us today. That's Travis Callahan, Aditya Kalkarni, and Brian Naylor. As always, thanks for listening. Oh, yeah. Is it just me that's getting off on this? Oh, yeah.